Hello, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece universe front to back. I, as always, am the super veteran and mustached gentleman, Justin, joined by my co-host and a super rookie, the cultist of Carnation, Jacob. Hello, everybody. And I just want to start off with this episode, just like that adventure, uh, with far more emphasis. We recommend you pause this podcast, watch Baron Omatsuri and the Secret Island for yourself. This is an experience of a movie. It Dead definitely is, but I also kind of understand if you don't want to watch it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's an experience, because Dead End Adventure is classic One Piece action and fun, right kind of thing. We still love it. But this one is definitely much more of a mixed bag. You'll hear it as we go 100%. into the episode. So... Knowing and also knowing spoilers for this movie will actually ruin the experience. So yeah, go into that movie as blind as possible, and please watch it. Pause this podcast and come back if you have already seen it, or if you actually heed our advice. Hello, welcome back, and we will be talking in great detail of Baron Omatsuri and the Secret Island. You have been warned. Oh, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to I mean that I mean that in a good way, but there is so much to dissect in this movie. Um, I kind of want to start off right away. Drip check, right away. Drip check. Uh, it's actually kind of hard to drip check this movie right away without, I mean, lightly spoiling some stuff because mm-hmm. they wear different was... outfits like throughout different sections. But I'm okay with that as well. Okay, I was gonna say like section one, section two, and section three. Of this movie, this because this movie does feel like three movies put together. Yeah. Um, but it actually does it in a pretty good way. But that's I want to say the drip check now because I feel like it would ruin the tone a little bit once we start getting into like the worst parts. <laughs> then we go. Right. But by the way, did you notice the the dress Nami wore? Oh but my man, God. she looking but, fresh right here though. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to pain. <laughs> so. I think I can state clearly state that this movie without that has the best drip. Easy. Dude, with- Usopp again is just looking so fresh. Usopp has l- never looked better. In he, the both of outfit, his outfits, right? dude, are amazing, honestly. First outfit is really good. He's got the Bob Marley hat. He got the big backpack. He got the white vest. But the second one second is one, when he had like yeah, the that's his best look ever. Yeah, the green jacket with the patch. He has like the, the bandana, blue bandana with, the, with goggles. the goggles. Yeah. He kind of looked like his dad. And he's kind of just bit. wearing like baggy, I think, cargo pants, kind of. But man, mm-hmm. he is just looking fly there. Yeah, I think uh, Luffy gets the worst one, but again, you got to keep it to the classics. He's got, but even then, he's got like a like a orange top with like the sleeves ripped off. Same thing with his jeans; they're ripped at the pants, so you can see his shins. Um, yeah, I that's think that's, that's kind of intentionally done to just as it's orange in this context and the and the color of it, it's kind of like a faded red, which is. I think representative yeah. of the tone of the movie in general. So, yeah, you know, very sunny and shiny and full of hope and fun. Oh, we're gonna get more into that. <laughs> it's, um, I th- Chopper had a pretty good look too when they first got on the island. He had like a button, uh, uh, open button, uh, yellow shirt. With yeah, the white he looks like he's underneath. actually like a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I, also there's also Zoro. Um, his first alpha, his first two, I think, were very Zoro, right, pretty plain. But that third outfit, he comes in with that. That black suit oh, during the uh, the barbecue scene. Yeah, he looked so <laughs> sick there. It was. It reminded me of that. Um, was it Dress Rosa where he also wore the suit? Yeah, a suit. Yeah. So that's his like Dress Rosa in the future. Um. So 
also Sanji's first look. I like his first more than stripe. his second by far. Yeah, his second one is much more open because you know they're on the they're on the boat. Yeah, he, he looked really good with like the mustard stripes, like the, the dress mm-hmm. shirt. Also, he got the designer sunglasses to match to go with yeah, it. And I'm just like, yeah. this is literally that's the best he's ever looked too. I think <laughs> yeah, so far, that's like the best I've ever seen Sanji look. Yeah, that look they literally got looked at a magazine and they're just yeah they just copy pasted and put in their movie. Um, yeah, he's yeah one hundred percent. That's what they did. So we already mentioned Usopp having some of the best drip, but we also cannot go without mentioning Nami and Robin. Ugh, they both have arguably the best with Usopp. Um, I think it's oh God, I don't know which is the best one because I like actually Nami's racing outfit with like just the shade of pink is I like the color mm-hmm. and it looks dope. And Nami in casual like, wear looks awesome, and she has like the vibrant yellow shorts kind of like offset it, the booty shorts. It looks yep. she looks so good in that outfit. Yep, love top and yellow booty shorts. As much as I love the outfit, though, I think the winner is the first classy Robin outfit, though. Like, With, you got like, the, the drape, huge sun the hat. Nice hat. Yeah. You got the sun hat. You got the top that almost looks like a like a fancy corset with, like, some little bit of a skin exposed in the right bits in the chest. Yeah. And then, but it's also, like, incredibly classy at the same time. I'm just like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and... Not to mention the third outfits, too, which is, like, around the barbecue scene. Nami's where... barbecue outfit was also amazing. Yeah, just, it's, uh, that's more, more uh, simplistic, where it's just a black dress, but strapless, so it looks great for her. And then Robin is closer to her default wearing, where it's, like, she's got, like, the, like, the red jacket and the red pants, but she's got, like, the bra underneath. Like, the open look. She's actually, re- like, that for the outdoors look. That's her third outfit, anyway. Um... But yeah, as you could tell, just the drip alone, we're just going, oh my god, they put so much thought and passion into just designing our straw hats to look good for this movie. For this very sweet and innocent, child-friendly movie that everyone was never (laughs) fooled, because that's actually a good transition to the marketing for this movie, as we go into the production and visuals. You have the poster, right? I shared it on Discord with you? Yeah, You have that poster, right? Yeah, so for those who don't know the poster, you can just Google Baron Omatsuri in the poster. That poster looks like a Kirby video game. So misleading. It is bright colors, Luffy smiling and waving at the camera. You got the villain looking like, eh, in the background. Happy flowers all around. Those happy, adorable lilies just (laughs) smiling with their straw hats. You know, it's a probably big thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the trailers for this movie only showed the first third of the movie and then maybe glimpses of that second third i and think that, people would complain right like I would parents think so too. taking their kids to mm-hmm. see this yeah so that's actually reminds me of the it's the the spoof of horror films called cabin in the woods it came out more than a decade ago um where the marketing for that movie even from the title right it just sounds like a default slasher horror film where oh these teenagers are getting drunk and having sex and the killers come in and kill them but when you watch the movie it's not at all like that it's actually like a much bigger scale where it's like oh people are trying to recreate the horror film via like science technology and there's like it gets into like some eldritch weird shit at the end too and you're like oh this is a lot bigger we were mismarketed intentionally for that extra surprise yeah so for me that mismarketing did work but you're also absolutely right where the poster hardcore one piece fans are like this looks like it's for the kids i'm not gonna watch it parents the first wave of parents taking their kids to like one piece to go see it and go yeah we have nightmares now we want a refund 
And unfortunately, that also makes sense because I looked at the uh, the performance in the box office. This movie made less money than The Curse of the Sacred Sword in the box office. Despite this having that movie quality, right? That shine and passion put into it. I should have tried to find like a trailer or, you know, for this movie. If- that's what I was wondering. Yeah, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm guessing that maybe that's what they did. Um, I couldn't confirm that portion, but I'm just looking at the poster going, that's mismarketing. That's intentional mismarketing, though. And honestly, it worked for me because, again, I just thought it was going to be a well-animated, cutesy kid movie. And then I'm like, oh, I got much more by the end of it. And but yeah, um, when I looked at the numbers for the performance in the box office, uh, <laughs> the what they wrote down was this movie did not perform that well. It was in third place opening week behind Lorelei, which is like, OK, the clay animation movie. OK, whatever. And then Shark Tale. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I. Now I'm like, this movie, this very interesting, unique movie, lost a Shark Tale. Ugh. Shark Tale's popular, DreamWorks, but, you know, fucking horrible-ass movie. <laughs> Sorry, so that was the that was just the poster. But let's talk about that f- sweet animation, by the way. Finally, movie-quality, fluid animation that I think inc- does an incredible job capturing the movement, the emotion of the characters. And actually catches that livelihood that you see, like Luffy having the manga, for example, where he's actually like bubbly and jumping around, and the movie takes full advantage of that. Um, it's actually a staple to the director. Uh, I had his name on name here. Husoda. Yeah. So in his other movies, like uh, Morai, he also worked on the those early Digimon movies that were like you know double featured with the early One Piece movies. Um, a few of those movies had that same animation style as this, where it does seem like it's cheaper if you uh, pause the movie because they just look kind of like roundish and kind of small limbed. But at the same time, it's like, well, One Piece already had that cartoony look where they're very skinny sometimes, right? Or very bulbous in their I own way. I like this. It is a different art style, but it looks good. Yeah, this one is definitely polished. There was only one portion of the scene uh, in the movie where it seemed like they were taking a break with the budget. And it was the and worst was like possible they... time to take a break. If we're talking about the, part the same part. Of. I'm talking about the, the budget final punch. I did not think... Oh. I thought that looked like crap, if I'm being completely... Really? Yes. When I, I saw that... The impression that I immediately thought of was that meme where the kid's like, Mommy, can we have Luffy punching the Celestial Dragon from Sabondi? Like, like, oh, we have that right. at home. And then it's like, that at home, and it's this. Okay, okay. I, I was actually going to mention, too, that that did remind me of that Shibodi scene, but I didn't think it was... I, it didn't strike me as low budget. The uh, scene I, I, was I did not of, think that looked good. Okay, okay. Um, the scene I was thinking of was when Luffy is trying to chase, the, is trying to chase uh, Captain Briar. Of the mustache pirates. Oh, I thought that part looks fine. And, when he's like oh, moving that, in no, and yeah, out and part, getting smaller and bigger. Yeah, that part's fine. I'm talking about the exact portion where they're talking across the pool of water, the fountain, and there's just a JPEG background when they're just <laughs> yeah. frozen talking to each other. <laughs> I remember. Like, yeah, that's like one yeah, minute long. I saw that too. Right? It's yeah. just it's just one minute, but it stood out because that looked like a JPEG background you would get like in a novella. <laughs> just very nice resort marble background, but I'm like you had a really nice animation scene before that, but anyway, that's nitpicking. I had to get that out of the way because I heard over and over again that this art style does not work for a lot of people. Like, I think, I remember when, like, because this art style isn't just unique to Hosoda. Uh, other types of artists have tried to adapt this, other animation studios. 
I think um, the new Pokemon series adopts this style a bit, where it focuses more on movement and emotion rather than like still frames looking really good for that snapshot, right? Characters looking cool. And there's a time and place for any of those styles. Personally, I do prefer this because I'm more about the extra details and what the characters are thinking. I prefer this if as you well. Want a character I think this looks awesome. Especially for One Piece. Because the other exa- side of the example I was going to bring is um, there was actually a fight scene in Naruto Shippuden. Um, the only, uh, I guess, slight spoiler for Naruto Shippuden. I'm just going to say a name. Um, against Pain in the anime. It didn't look good because it did that same attempt where it was focusing on fluid animation rather than, like, looking good. Yeah. However, it exaggerated the movement way too hard in a series like Naruto where it's more about, you know, it's actually about, like, using the powers and being serious and doing the ninja moves. But then you had a fight sequence where you have a moment where, like, oh, the, like, the the, the Ninetale form is bonking the head of the villain with, like, a, a block, and he's, like, pummeling him down like a nail. And it looks silly, but that's not Naruto. Yeah. Whereas, if that was a, a fight scene in One Piece, I'd be laughing my ass off, going, eh, that's, that's Oda. <laughs> that's Oda's style right, of right, action. Right. I get you. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I got some action in there. So, I understand. See, like, real quick, like let me piggyback style. off that and say that's kind of how I feel about this movie as a whole. What you just said about that. How that's it's actually, not quite, like, that wouldn't mm-hmm. be quite Naruto, right? Like, it'd be a little weird. Yeah. That's how I feel about but, this movie. Like, it's just not quite One Piece, in a way. Got, I actually get it, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely what you mentioned beforehand, where instead of the animation not fitting for Naruto, the entire movie as a whole. Yeah, with the, the, the plot and the structure. Because at least the first third definitely still feels One Piece. Like, we jumped oh, around man. that. I was like, first. I'm totally ready to watch that movie as well. Like, when I came in, you get this bright, sunny entrance. The Straw Hats are kind of sailing around. It mm-hmm. looks great. The colors are really nice. Really love the color palette in this movie. Underappreciated. Absolutely. Not, but meant to mention, not to mention the utilization of the color palette. Yeah, it, it fades it's... sometimes. Like before, like when they pull up to the island, it's kind of t- like dim. But during action scenes, it gets a little more vibrant. It's it's really it's very warm. It's very spring. Very warm. Very inviting. And then you get to that last third of the movie, and everything is like stripped of any hope, <laughs> of any <laughs> yeah. of any fun. Yeah, um, but and like, even just with, that, wha- it was like a better Davy Back fight. And if that had been the whole movie, I would have been like so down to watch that also. You know? I was honestly expecting it after that opening. And I would have been like, honestly, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I would have been okay with that. I would have been okay with it too. <laughs> um, before we get into the movie, I want to mention one more thing is this is the first movie as well. I really felt like the music was on point with this movie. It really added. The, to the atmosphere, both in the opening, right, where it's very warm, and inside you hear, like, the, Mac, the uh, what's the instrument called? The, Mac, <laughs> I forget what it's called. It sounds like sand in a bottle where it's like, I'm not going to play for right now. I'm not sure the name. I just called the I'm not going to play for right now. Are you sure it's not but just like, called the shaker? I, uh, I, I mean, it, it could be. just be a shaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I completely forgot the name. At least, like, I don't think anyone would be like, ooh, you call it a shaker? I'm looking down on that, so that's fine. Literally unlistenable, undownloading the episode. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. But yeah, this is the first movie where I really felt like this was, like, movie-quality music and definitely added. Even Porsche, and not to mention the music itself, but when to use it. Because there are portions, especially in that last third of the movie, where there's no music at all, and you get a certain feeling settling in 
when there's no music playing to help you. There was that one like really creepy violin song they used right in the like before Lily did the split thing, you know, with the arrows. Yeah, yeah. But there was that. I'm talking about a little before that when you think there's no hope and there's just dread and silence. Yeah, going on. This movie is really well directed. I think is what it is. Like they have like the music Mm -hmm. and no music in the right places. Like the color palettes and how it shifts is really well done. It's just well done all around. Absolutely. And we're still just talking about the production and visuals part. We haven't even gotten to the actual plot. We've been trying to avoid it as much as we can. But I think I think we can finally talk about, you know, this <laughs> this crazy roller coaster of a movie that invites you in just like that invitation to opening the movie, right? Are you pirate of pirates of pirates of pirates? If so, bring your trusted friends to the island. It it gives you that false. It's like, oh, it's just a little invitation. No big deal. Right? I just want to say, no how many deal. times are we going to fall for this? How many times are we going to receive an invitation somewhere to like a, a fun fantasy resort and just go and believe as it long is what, as, what it says it is? Come on, as pirates, long as everyone, Luffy is on. the captain. Hey, Luffy's the captain. You're going to fall for it every time. Because <sighs> even when you have God. the entire crew going, this sounds like a trap, like Usopp going, this sounds like a trap. Luffy just goes, you had me at are you pirates? We're going. <laughs> Maybe it, it just seems a little more tired to me probably because I have seen, like I said, the last couple of movies and one of those is like this kind of a game. Yeah. Like another Movie pirate wise, yeah. festival. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how, ma- how many times? <laughs> That's true. In movie, uh, in movie format, yeah, that part does get a little uh, repetitive. I will admit that. Um, But yeah, this whole opening sequence, we touched on a little bit, but like did you notice how during the title crawl, when the ship is like sailing to the island, it looks like a plane in the open sky? Because you associate like a plane flying in a blue sky, a, like vacation picture for like all the ads you used to see. So I thought it was a really nice touch. I agree. That was, that was a cool shot. Yep. Zooms in on the merry-go-going. You see like passing by other islands where it looks like people just, again, just on the beach, just mind your own business, enjoying the sun. It really does make you think. There's yeah, it, it does a lot, like that scene especially, and just the overall vibe of this intro, to make you think that it is going to be that, that fun Davy Backfight style mm-hmm. movie. Get warm, get comfy, you know what, put on some shorts, get your ice cream and get your ice soda ready. It's going to be a fun movie. And then we get, yeah, and then the rest of the movie happens, but we're not there yet. Sorry, I'm jumping the gun here. Um, But yeah, just little details of like, like movie cinematography as well there's where little details but now that you said that it just like made me have to chime in there's so many little details in this movie and like little hints and foreshadowings of, of what's going on it's absolutely L- less so in the first third but definitely more in the like the beginning of trial even two, even the in race. the first third i think it's there yeah yeah it's there but not as relevant i'm sorry not as frequent uh trial two is when it starts picking up and you start seeing the development and then if you haven't noticed trial three just ends up coming out of nowhere to you um but the little details i'm thinking of where it's like cinematography wise to get you more comfortable where i noticed that this movie actually utilizes a a camera technique called a dutch angle where it's like tilted on its axis a little bit so everything looks a little disorienting a little bit Mm -hmm. the first time to use it was on the merry-go right because you're sailing at sea so you're getting a little dizzy but you still see luffy completely bounced when he's on the figurehead so I was like, yeah, because he's a pirate. He's got sea legs. And the second time was when they get to the island and they're getting told what trial one is. And Sanji is just so confused what's going on. And then you get another 
really aggressive Dutch angle, but <laughs> I just had to point it out there because that's always like a very controversial technique because it looks silly sometimes. Um, but not to mention just like the sound design too. You hear the hole creaking in that opening sequence. Oh, random uh, callback. Maracas. That was what I was thinking of. There are probably shakers though. <laughs> I was thinking maracas. Oh, I was thinking of a different thing, but I would still consider that a shaker. A maraca is like a type of shaker, yeah. I think a shaker is a general classification. I guess it's not... <laughs> official maybe wait you couldn't tell what i was doing when i was going the very descriptive <laughs> you couldn't tell i got just by me making a noise instrument <laughs> yeah i got it got it um so all right so they first land on the island they think they're they've been ripped off right they want to go back but i think luffy and chopper both hear music playing they go deeper to the forest i noticed specifically that it was luffy because i thought that might have also been the the foreshadowing of the voice that he was hearing Right, yeah, that's that was definitely weird because why wasn't Chopper? Chopper's the one with the hearing. Um, but yeah, so Luffy did hear, and then you go deeper to the forest, and it looks like a giant fucking theme park with a resort in the middle. A little detail that's a little weird, but it could be intentional. You see a planet Earth in that uh amusement park shot. Did you notice that? Like our planet Earth. Yeah, not the One Piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like a there's like a Africa was on that globe. mm Hmm. It just looked like the Universal Studios logo. <laughs> um, yeah, a little side detail. Maybe that's intentional. I don't know. But if it was intentional, I don't know. Kicks. But then we get introduction. We get a huge introduction that rivals like the Aladdin movie sequence, the Disney movie, where you know Aladdin's trying to go down to the palace and he's like looking like a sultan on an elephant. And in this version, we have. All these people with suspiciously all with sprouts on their heads. Yeah, I felt like and, we like landed on Delfino Island from Super Mario Sunshine. Mm, if anyone has played that, I was game. thinking that they too, all have actually. that same kind of <laughs> idea on their heads, right? Like they have the leaves like mm-hmm. that. It totally reminded me of that. Wait, is Super Mario Sunshine actually a really dark story? Another topic. Another topic. <laughs> another uh, topic. Yeah, for another. But day. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's even a piranha get... plant in this, like a demon oh, piranha plant. God. Oh, God. Man, I'm looking at Mario really different now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get introduction to our movie antagonist, what we think is the main antagonist in the movie, Baron Omatsuri. And he's just riding in on these elegant elephants with his main officers. There's music, there's fanfare going on, and the Luffy's excited. Everyone else is kind of cautious and a little shocked. And then immediately, you know, he's repeating all the the fun things that the Straw Hats were there for originally, right? Nami wanted to go to the spas. Uh, Sanji wanted to visit the ladies. Uh, Chopper wanted the food. And then he's almost repeating those same portions where it's like, oh, you're going to unwind and relax after you go through these trials of hell. And of course, Luffy's like, well, we have to do it now. He, he <laughs> said trials of hell. It sounds fun. And everyone else is like, no, I wanted to relax. I don't want to actually do shit. But and then actually in a very nice scene that's actually really relevant in this movie where everyone is like trying to encourage Luffy, like this is a bad idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. And Luffy's like, what are you talking about? What? Like he's doing back and forth, right? It's really cute. And then he eventually says the line, if it's a trap, I have faith in you guys. Right. And then everyone's like, oh, you know what? You know exactly what to say, Captain. This is actually incredibly important. Not just because of like a reminder of like, you know, how close the crew is. Right. But how close they are right this second compared to 30 minutes later in the movie, 
right? That's another like side by side comparison importance uh-huh. so that the scene brings. So then they decide, all right, fine. Half of them are actually on board. Half of them are going to tolerate it, right, and go along with it because, like, oh, it's you know, it's one, it's straw hat stuff. And then the first challenge, it's seemingly like. <laughs> Like the challenge itself doesn't have that many details, I, but you, you want to talk about you it? Gotta, right? Yes, I do. The animation mm-hmm. and like the choreography was so sick. And mm-hmm. generally, was, they're just doing was, the. Oh my bad! What were you saying? Oh, I was gonna say like it's our first baby fight back challenge where it's just capture a goldfish. Oh, it sounds simple. Then the twist is it's actually a, a, a Neptunian sized goldfish. Right, and you're supposed to have no the, way to win. Mm-hmm. And the person you're playing against actually has you know has played this game before so they exactly know what to do and have the right tool to help them and the strength again exactly to be a fight back where it's like oh you're challenging them to their game so they know how to cheat they know how to manipulate the instructions kind of thing right but i will say the this first challenge sequence was great not only animation wise but just seeing the straw hats like work together or like trying to get the goldfish into their bucket you have Zoro like bashing it over the side with the sheath of a sword um, During this scene, Nami yeah. didn't actually get another outfit where she, right when she was wearing the purple dress. Uh, that was the first one. Yeah, that I didn't mention it as much because I feel like it was very similar to Robin's, but Robin's outclasses that. I like I like Nami with like because she had also had a white drape, kind of like Robin, but she had like the pink yeah, shaded sunglasses exactly on her head, and I d- I think that accentuated the outfit pretty well. That's actually true. Yeah, Robin had the sun hat, and then uh, Nami had the uh. The, the heart glasses, yeah, but that's yeah, true. I just want to talk about how mm. sick Sanji looked in that scene, really. When he's, like, flying across the screen, how how well the, they managed to capture, <laughs> like, that kinetic energy yep, and, like, him flying across the, the distance. The, 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 across the screen yep. into those really oh. heavy kicks, mm. sending that enormous, gotcha. like, CG fish, which looked okay. It was CG, by the way, flying. I, awesome. I have noticed that, yeah. A lot of, uh... Uh, movies that come from Japan, they ever have a good time with CG for some reason. Like, even the ones that are, like, intentionally meant to be all CG, it's always meant to be a little low-budget or weird. It's almost like they don't have the right programming or the the right technique to know-how. Because in this movie, the the CG fish, like you said, it looks fine, but you could see the frame rate being incredibly choppy, and it does distract you a little bit. Because you're like, oh, that's a CG fish. Would have been better if they just hand-drawn it like everything else but you know it's a movie they're, tr- they're trying out new techniques it's like the, the opening scene to did an adventure they want to they want to try to do things but that did not age well either. i also thought it was that funny one. how like zora was about to turn it into sushi at the end there <laughs> right and then the baron's just screaming hey you're, you can't use swords that's illegal you can't use that that's wrong you can't kill the fish um and then the clutch save at the end by robin and chopper when uh, Muchigoro, the guy they're fighting against, um, also incredibly gullible, like Chopper. That was a hilarious scene with Usopp earlier. Um, when he was trying to get the goldfish, and then Robin had the the hand net to fling it back out of the bucket. Chopper gets the relay, and it goes into the bucket right when the uh the timer goes. Oh, we haven't mentioned that much about the Baron, right? We mentioned he had a very big introduction, but right away, right? Um, I think this is what you're talking about, where Robin notices right away. Why does he have a flower on his shoulder? It's very weird. It looks very cutesy, right? It's doing like the narration, right? Where it's like doing the countdown of the timer. It looks very cute and fine. There's a detail I didn't notice the first time though watching the movie. I did notice the second time. That that flower has a napkin around it. It looks like a, like a almost like a Yeah, like a bib. It almost looks like a burka because it's around the entire head, but it goes it, then it hangs down like a handkerchief. But ultimately it acts like a napkin later on. We'll get into that later. Um, 
<laughs> but that little detail scared the fuck out of me when I realized it the second time. Um, first challenge is over. Straw Hats win. It's very fun. They're all, you know, they all are happy and proud of themselves. Honestly, the There's a, the Baron's face reaction to them winning was it was really good. That's a top tier no, reaction face. That's also uh incredibly important as well with uh the Baron's characterization because the first time you watch the movie, you think, oh, he's a pity sore loser. Like Usopp says this too. But the reality is he acts worse more and more because they, he's realizing that they're kind of making fun of his crew. They're making fun of him like Michigoro. Like, oh, he's not that he's not all hot shit. Yeah, that was no big deal. So it felt like he was, you know, being protective, right? He was being like, how dare you insult my crew? How dare cash, you insult yeah. their honor? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but first time through, it definitely, with your perspective, your limited perspective on his character, it definitely feels like Usopp's in the right here of like, oh, you're just a sore loser, right? And plus, it's One Piece, so that could definitely be it. We've seen characters literally like that, where they are just, in fact, sore losers. Um, but it definitely makes sense for later on in the movie, so that was a catch that I found. Um, immediately, the Baron goes, oh, but it's the trials of hell. It's not just one trial. You need to go through the second one. Immediately, Nami is going, well, no, actually, I'll say, as far as the foreshadowing, there was that moment Chopper fell into the water afterwards. He got, like, knocked off. Right. And then yeah. you can okay, kind of okay. see that, like, sea of ships, like the graveyard yep. of ships. In All the, water. the ships, yep, at the bottom of the ocean, destroyed. It's and they don't draw reason. attention to it. I don't think Sanji even noticed it, maybe, but... That's... No, yeah, the camera draws attention to it. That's for the audience for us to do. But none of the Straw Hats noticed it whatsoever, because uh, uh, Sanji was busy saving uh, That's one of the first <laughs> unsettling things. Mm-hmm. You're big. Oh, what's going on here? Um. So right away, right, the Baron goes, oh, you need to go through the second trial. Nami and the other Straw Hats are going, hell no. Luffy still wants to do it, but he's in the minority this time, right? He's just, he, at this point, he's begging, Nami, come on, turn back. But with a, oh, we didn't mention it really, but it, it's important for this scene. Again, there's a lot of details in this movie that really are well-directed, well-crafted together, where when they're setting up trial one, the island like motions around like engineering wise we're like oh the stage is being set you see the forest moving and now we have like the big ocean backdrop for the goldfish right so because of that scene i could easily figure out in trial two remember that first person perspective shot where nami's getting lost in the jungle with the straw that's right after this they can't right that was right after trial one yeah they're trying to find a way back because they're they don't want to do trial two they want to leave um she can't find her way back even though she's a navigator and i'm going well i know navigators see i know but she has the map and i'm going oh right because you can imply the forest is moving right right that's it's another preventing thing. them from leaving yeah that's what mm-hmm. i thought as well in, in hindsight yeah. obviously i didn't know i didn't think that initially i just thought they were lost which i did think was weird though i was like what nami's like mm-hmm. misreading a map i was like that's bullshit yeah but. and then she's like blaming the map for being useless that doesn't sound like nami um again it doesn't sound like nami uh that would be a very important detail later on as well so they eventually, <laughs> well, they should have realized when Zoro goes, I think it's this way. You should have done the opposite direction. You had a much better chance of finding the ship that way. But unfortunately, yeah, they just got lost. They do find a picnic that someone left recently. Um, also, during trial one, we saw a guy with binoculars, like watching the rots from afar. And that your tease for another character later on. But yeah, so they run into the Baron again. He has, he's conveniently has everything set up as if, they were trying to find him for trial two, because again, that force is moving. It doesn't tell. So, sorry for those who don't quite understand what I'm saying. The movie doesn't tell you directly, but because of that opening shot with trial one, 
you can infer, oh, after, especially after you watch this movie, right? That Forrest is intentionally moving around to keep him trapped because you need to get more time to let the the distrust occur, right? To get the crew hating each other more time apart. Uh, these trials like kind of like push him to the brink. And here's the Baron just waiting for them, you know? Like, oh, you just happened to find us happy. What a coincidence. Um, what a coincidence, yeah. Even though you're trying to get your way out of here. Oh, you just found your way back to me. Um, so they announced trial two, and it's not as simple as the catching the goldfish, right? Because this one is is actually like a how would you describe it? It's like you have to like throw the tubes on the other opponent before they put the tubes on you yeah. while you're racing in uh watercraft, like jet skis almost. And the area just right up just looks like Venice, right? The the water canals. Right. Or water even water seven. seven. Yeah. Not as not as fancy as Water Seven because you just got the canals, <laughs> so I'm like discount Water Seven. That's fine. That's fine though. Um, again, it's part of the the facade, the illusion of the island, right? Because after the uh, the next challengers, the Kiros, I I don't know their names. I just know they're Kiro hey, something. It's frog. Yeah, yeah. The four frogs. Um, they mock Nami. You know, the one who wanted to not wanted to challenge, but they mock her, and then she's like, "Oh, we're doing this challenge because they called me old." <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fine, it's good enough. But this challenge is more limited. There's only four people participating, not all the crew. Um, it's in two teams. You have Nami and Usopp, great team, and Sanji and Zoro, not a good team, unfortunately. We know this from Davy Fightback. Also, I just thought in general for the whole theme of the movie, because you use this Usopp Nami pairing, kind of jumping ahead mm-hmm. later, because they're a pair that usually does get along really well. To kind of showcase well. the theme of them no longer getting along later as everything starts to fall apart. Like, that doesn't really work with Zoro and Sanji because they're always fighting anyways. Yeah, so I did like that choice, though, like, like writing-wise. Because, obviously, Nami and Usopp, right? That's the clear one that they definitely get along. But for those who know the manga and the anime, they've, they're caught up. They got through Divi Fight Back. Zoro and Sanji have a rivalry, but they're able to at least contain it when they understand that, hey, shit's going to happen if we don't actually pull it together for 10 seconds. This challenge, they never get to that part. It's like it actively just gets worse and worse because there's a moment where they could have easily gotten the wins right in that challenge and do that. What would they do in Navy Fight Back? They'd like, just give us 10 seconds, right? right? And they do like a tag team combo. That move In this movie, it only happens kind of once. But only out of annoyance, because the challenge are like trying to get up to them and try to put the tubes on them. And then they both attack the ship at the same time eventually. But instead of finishing the challenge, they just go back to fighting each other or staring at each other intently. And there's not not even a mention um later on in that trial, they actually put each other in harm's way intentionally. Or sorry. Not intentionally, but more like Yeah, lack I, was, I of wouldn't care. say like intentionally, but Yeah, lack of care, lack of finesse. Um I guess as we're talking about the challenge, let's just talk. Let's finish up the trial real quick. So, this is what we're talking about, right? The, the racing scenes. This is when they're. This is when Nami and Usopp look their best. There was a, um, another moment in there that I thought was a little out of character for at the mm-hmm. end, especially because during this race, I mean, okay, do you feel like within it there's that much to talk about? I felt like it was kind of. I eh. I feel with in the middle and the end again, not really the heroes, right? Maybe the challenges are whatever right they're they're just movie they're they're movie fluff right, right? it's the fun stuff because one of the heroes he just makes quotes all the time whatever haiku. he was talking in haiku 
Oh, okay. But he was talking about, like, wisdom right. haikus, right? Where it's about, like, you know, then, like, oh, the, the fox. It was funny when they destroyed the ship, kind of, and the one guy, like, immediately repaired it. That was very, you know, frank Yeah, he, pu- he, pu- he pulls a fix-it Felix from Wreck-It Ralph and just hammers it a few times, and it gets upgraded. Um, yeah, little moments like that are really cute and really fun. Again, first time watching the movie, that's all fun and joy, right? Second time, I really don't care about those characters, because I'm looking at the Straw Hats intentionally. Because a big thing that you're definitely picking up on, and as well as because I thought I was, I, I'll be honest, after watching the movie, I did read a few posts because I want to see what other people thought of this movie too. Because I did hear it was controversial. And a lot of people have the same problem where the Straw Hats don't act like themselves. Like it seems like they're being torn apart. Tor- yeah, they're being torn apart too easily, right? Because they've been yeah. through hell and back already multiple times. And here they are letting like these, you know, these keto frog pirate people just mock them a little bit, and now they're straight up insulting one another. And that's one of and the it, issues I had with it. Yes. So, I think if you're if you're going to this movie without the understanding of... Yeah, I know I'm going to sound crazy here. The eldritch Lovecraftian themes. And those are wondering, what the fuck are you talking about, Jacob? I'm going to get to that point. <laughs> you remember, there's still two-thirds of this movie left. Um, there's a common passive aura effect in... Uh, modern uh, Lovecraftian storytelling, where if you are talking to or hanging around these beings, right? In this case, I'm just going to say it's Lily, the flower. Uh-huh. Um, it slowly mutes and pushes down your best qualities. And then it starts screaming your worst qualities, even old history. So, for example, the best feature for the Straw Hats is trust in one another, right? And compassion. If something bad does happen, they get over it, water under the bridge, they forgive each other, they work together, right? Even Zoro and Sanji, for example, can do this. Um, In this movie, though, they don't do that. And even worse, Nami and Usopp are like one of the, again, like one of the best pairs of trusting one another. They straight up have like one of the worst, like bursts of anger at one another, where there's a moment where, again, Usopp gets like that that help box, that little tool that helps him out. And then Nami straight up thinks, oh my god, he abandoned me. That was and a little then, weird. Yeah, exactly, right? It seems like, okay, wait, I would think there'd be like a funny moment where maybe she's just going to scream at him going, get your ass back down here, and then she's going to continue the challenge. But no, instead, it feels like a betrayal, and you're thinking, wait, that's not the tone I'm used to. What is going on here? But throughout, like the hints throughout the movie is it's implying there's like a darker secret going on, so that's why I wasn't lost at this point. I'm thinking, this has got to be intentional, right? This isn't just bad. This isn't like Curse of the Sacred Sword where they, they fail to understand Zoro as a character. This is like, no, this is intentional because every single Straw Hat is acting a little bit out of character now. Yeah, a little bit. Eventually, I kind of came to the conclusion. I, I mean, I'm not mm. that familiar with Lovecraft, but it becomes pretty clear the flower is, is doing it. Which makes sense yeah. when they're surrounded by, I guess, like leaves and everything created by... And they're constantly, them. yeah, they're constantly talking and trading blows with the Kiros, right? Also being with their own little sprouts, right? And while that's going on, Luffy, Robin, and Chopper, they're in the resort, right? Taking a ch- like having a chill time waiting for the, the child to finish. They're not as bad with that quote-unquote corruption going on because they're doing their own thing, right? Luffy had his little thing with Briar. Uh, Chopper went out on his own, although that's still out of character, right? Because Chopper usually doesn't he's just suspicious. go out on his own. He's looking mm-hmm. into the island. Right, and that's why you're going, okay, that sounds like he could do it, right? You're not completely like off that idea. Robin getting intel by t- getting Muchigoro drunk was a great scene. Um, 
getting them drunk and getting details. She gets the name Lily Carnation, flower that grows on the mountain. She gets a little suspicious. But this is also old Robin. So actually, I wanted to ask this real quick. Would pre-Water 7 Robin at least tell someone the intel she's got? Because I feel like at Jaya, she did, right? Yeah, she's she like, oh, I got intel. Yeah. So she was still distant and in the shadows, but she would still like keep the Straw Hats up to date of like, oh, by the way, I found this out. She's still kind of uh, looking into it. She heard, like, I think she knew about the flower by just Robin knowledge. And she yeah, asked about but it, but even, she doesn't really have anything concrete quite yet. Yeah, I would just think that by the time that barbecue scene happened, that she would at least tell someone she's going out for a walk. Or no, she did, sorry, she did say she was going out for a walk. Um, but she didn't say exactly what she was doing. The only uh, secret I know old Robin would keep, besides the whole CP9 thing, is the Poneglyph, right? The the information that she keeps about the Poneglyph, she kept to herself. And that was completely understandable. We got that whole backstory for that. But the reason why I bring it up the Straw Hats being out of character was, again, that the exercise of Lovecraftian storytelling, where it brings out the worst of you and snuffs out the best of you. Um, the best examples I can think of are more modern examples with Stephen King, right? Where it's taking something that's innocent and kind-hearted, like in this case, a flower, and it's slowly corrupting you because it's like you're, you're getting a false sense of security. That's like the first third of the movie. The second third of the movie, where you're getting the worst out of the characters, this is actually closer to the Reapers in Mass Effect, the main antagonistic force, where the longer you hang around Reaper tech or even the Reapers themselves, you slowly start getting like whispers in your head of like, oh, maybe I should be doing this because after all, it's the right thing to do, right? But in reality, it's like it's helping the Reapers and not your actual side. So when I saw this, and in Trial 2, you see Nami, Usopp, Zoro, and Sanji, they're constantly bickering at the Kiros they're fighting against. So I'm like, oh, they're getting worse mentally consistently like over this long period of time because even after the trial ends, those four are the worst at the bickering, right? At the barbecue table, they're straight up not talking to each other. They're not listening to each other. Nami is giving Usopp like the worst cold shoulder I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the hell is going on? But it's mainly those four characters because they were in that trial. They're in both trials talking directly with like, those sprouts, those lily figures. So that to me, as a person who's recognized this style of storytelling, yeah, I, I recognize it going, it's intentional. Yeah, totally. Going a little bit further forward, I noticed, especially when the guy was cooking, Sanji was like, he feel extra combative when he's like, oh, this is a challenge. I'm like, yeah, Sanji would never it, do it, that. Sanji would no, never like wouldn't. look down on someone else's cooking. You know, he would eat exactly. it if it was terrible and be like, thank you so much. This is delicious. Yeah. His main things are basically let the cooks cook and waste not. Those are his main things when it comes to cooking. After all, it's meant to feed everyone. Yeah, and he like not it's on his face too. He looks angry. You can yeah. clearly see he's it's not quite Sanji here. Yeah. Not to mention, remember one of those key details that was a defining character trait back at Barate, where I don't care if you're a villain that's gonna take over the ship, you're starving, so I'm gonna feed you, right? Because I understand the pain of starving. And, you know, and also Sanji's incredibly kind. This movie, Zoro goes, oh, it's time to eat. And Sanji goes, no, you're not allowed to eat. Sanji would never do that. I don't care if it's Zoro. Sanji would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> that Even line, after that line like, actually, bickering. I almost gasped a little bit. Was yeah, like, it's like, what the fuck? What is going on here? And again, if you're not familiar with the, the tones of eldritch storytelling, like you haven't read that much Junji Ito, Stephen King, or Lovecraft, this would come out of nowhere, and you're getting confused at this point. 
why are the Straw Hats so conflicted? And if it was me, for example, I'd be like, oh, is this a convenient writing plot so that the Straw Hats separate, right, and become easier to conquer? But you're not selling me on it. I would normally say that, but because I'm familiar with, again, those themes, those tones of like this aura present that's bringing out the worst in you, then it came across like, oh my god, this is completely intentional. They're being driven apart by whatever the hell Lily Carnation is. Because at this point, we still don't quite know what it is. We think it could be the flower. But it's also at this point when, because again, this I mentioned before, this movie feels like it's in three parts. The first third, it's trial one. It's all nice and sunny. And it's also like the beginning of trial two, right? Where it's like, oh, it's the next trial. They're having fun. The second movie is all those fights we were just talking about, right? right? Where everyone is just being brought apart. It's also the intrigue and mystery. Chopper goes out. He finds that the the city, the island they're on, is completely empty. And he finds this massive graveyard. He also runs into this, I'll admit, pretty cute pirate family, right? Just a, It's literally yeah. just a family of pirates. Like a dad and a bunch <laughs> of kids. Yeah, and the dad is basically like a discount I, I Usopp, right? He's dealing with cowardice. Man. Yeah, I do too. Um, but at first, at first, he's like, it seems like he's like, he tries, he's like Usopp, right? He's pretending that he's strong. He's trying to show off to his family that he's a reliable guardian, right? That can protect him. It doesn't work out because Chopper just transforms into his big bulk form. I know. I like how he's like, oh, you're a little monster. And then Chopper's like, what did you say? Like, mm. <laughs> that was great. But then the, and then the dad comes clean going, listen, I'm just trying to fool them. Can you please pay along? And then Chopper plays along. Um, again, I feel like Chopper was one of the least, quote unquote, corrupted. Because, again, he hadn't really spoken a lot with the Sprout figures like those previous four Straw Hats. Right. So Chopper is still being Chopper at this point. And he's uh, interacting with the family, right? They found out that they got shipwrecked here and they can't find their way out. Um, but they're trying to figure out like what's going on because they, they feel a little uneasy. They show him an old wanted poster of the Red Arrow Pirates. It, it looks like the Baron Omatsuri and his crew, right? We see Goro, We see later on DJ, right? They're in the portrait. Well, we actually did see DJ before because Usopp ran into him at the, at the dinner. We just didn't mention it. I think this was before the dinner scene, if I recall. Um, regardless, regardless, it doesn't quite matter. The important thing is Chopper was wondering, how come everyone looks the same except the Baron? The Baron looks a lot younger in this poster, but before anything else can happen, he is struck with an arrow, like, up in a, like in a scary-looking right, scene. Because also, think, like, Chopper just died? I think right <laughs> here, like, literally is when it cuts to Nami, who's flirting, talking to Muchigoro, and he's like, oh, yeah, the captain's so strong, even if we, like, ran into Roger, he could take him. And she's like, I who? Think... And he's like, okay, so you that... haven't heard of Roger? No way. You know? <laughs> okay, so that, yeah, that does happen, but instead of the Chopper scene, it was the Robin scene. The Robin scene, then that cuts to the Nami part that you're talking about. Chopper was a little earlier. I think Chopper was before, completely before the barbecue even starting. Because I remember at the start of that, when they were looking like all nice and in their black uh, formal clothing, they're going, where's Chopper? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where's Chopper? That might be, that might be where's right. Chopper? Yeah. Again, the important part is... Because he left before Chopper... Trial 2 started. Uh, trial 2 just started, and he left on his own. Um, Robin was interrogating Wichigoro, but she didn't leave at that point. Not yet. Um, but yeah, so Chopper is struck by an arrow, and... You get the family reacting. It's like, is Chopper fucking dead? What the fuck? And obviously it's the Baron, right? And he's got a huge long bow, right? The big boy bow where you got you need to be really strong to use those things. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's really sold that this is a really okay. There's shit going on here. We got the graveyard. We got the ships under the water. And again, people just acting strange. Uh, Luffy, after his wonderfully animated chase sequence with Captain uh, Breer, uh, who he kind of has a Hitler stash, but it, it it's in and it's in. It's, it, that's a style in the East still, right? It's fine to still have that. Or is, back then it was. I have no idea. I know in the West it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know in the West. Um, but he looks more like a, an explorer, right? He's got like the, the white expedition yeah, helmet. Yeah, I didn't He's necessarily got the think that he looked like Hitler. I thought he no, was no, like no, he didn't look like Hitler. School, he just had like the Hitler English stash. gentleman, yeah. Yeah, he just had the Hitler stash. That's it. But even then, he's made fun of it. He's made fun of for that. Roland Luffy's just like, what? what's that booger on your eye? <laughs> <laughs> I get out your nose. It's a mustache, goddammit. Um, by the way, I do love Captain Breer. Um, just that, that first design impression when I first saw him, I'm like, I didn't expect that mustache, but whatever. It's Again, it's a small thing. It's not important. Um, but yeah, Luffy himself gets a warning by Captain Breer who uh, is telling him that he's been on the on for a while, and he's actually inviting uh, Luffy to join his crew, which, of course, Luffy goes, the fuck are you talking about? I'm not going to join your crew. Um, and then Luffy even shows off that he's, you know, he's, he's the one in charge of the talk because he just stretches his arm across yeah, that bounce to pull him, him in. Like, Listen here, yeah. little man. And it's, and it's so slow. I'm used to the, his powers like being very fast, like pistol and everything. And that one, it's like slowly extending like a tentacle and bring him in. But then the the line that the um that Briar oh sorry his name is Brief sorry I kept saying Briar sorry his name is Captain Brief um Brief uh, I, I kind of forgotten his name so I was just going with it oh sorry uh the mustache pirate um Captain Brief is saying be careful of Baron Omatsuri he will break your crew apart like I thought that was a very interesting line that the translators use because it actually does give it more thought why can't you just say tear your crew apart right that's more natural what we would say right oh he's tearing us apart you know he's tearing me apart lisa sorry um but why break your crew apart right i feel like that's more like direct and brutal i think that might also just be the translation to be totally honest i mean that could be it but either way that gave me food for thought because i'm thinking because it made me think like why break why not tear um and then, yeah, we mentioned Robin getting the intel from Michigoro, getting him drunk and everything. Wonderful scene where he's about to puke and then all, like, six of her hands show up behind his head to try and keep his vomit in his mouth so he can keep talking. But it doesn't work. He has to run away and vomit somewhere else. Um, but yeah, like, this trial, too, this, again, this middle portion, the second movie of this whole movie, um, everyone is coming apart. Because now, I think that was a good time to bring up that barbecue scene, right? We've already mentioned the Sanji being really out of character and being envious or like kind of like direct and confrontational with another chef who's just doing his job. He didn't insult anyone. He's just doing a good show. And then Sanji's like, no, I can do that better. Yeah, um, so that, that's like, I mean, that is basically the scene. And then he does it. They do the little chef battle. It looked great. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. glad it happened for that reason because we understand. Wonder- wonderfully animated. <laughs> wonderfully animated. But this whole time, again, like this is also the portion where despite there's cool animation going on there's still some interesting like hijinks going on at this point i'm feeling tense because again i'm not used to the the straw hats like bickering against one another and being distrusting for this long right maybe for like divi fight back right where it's zoro and sanji like a very specific smaller pair amongst the straw hats but usually they're fine with everyone else but in this case you're literally getting moments where like usopp is trying to tell everyone 
oh, Chopper went for a walk. He's still missing. But then you get, like, the next member. Like, I think Zoro asks first, where's Chopper? Usopp answers. Sanji then asks, where's Chopper? Like, again, they're just not listening to each other. And it feels like if you have no idea about, like, supernatural cosmic storytelling, you're just going, why, why are the writers doing this? This is, They're just acting completely against one another for no reason. Especially Nami. Like, Nami is going, like, full bitch mode against Usopp, where Usopp's, like, trying to, like, get back to reconcile. Like, oh, we're having fun together. And then she's literally, like, leaving him, walking away. And he tries it again. And then she just goes to talk to Muchigoro, right? The, the movie character. But instead, and this is also where Usopp is also out of character, because we didn't mention the, the worst line that happened in Trial 2. The worst, like, big oh shit moment, where when Trial 2 ends, Usopp comes and finishes the challenge for the Straw Hats. Nami, like, straight up slaps Usopp in anger. And this, I'm not talking, like, a comedic, like, big hand, super hyper, like, exaggerated face motion on Usopp, where she has, like, the fangs and the white eyes going, ah, I'm mad. But it's funny. No, it's like straight up like real slap, like angry eyes going, how could you betray me back there? You left me. But then Usopp retorts, betrayal, that's your thing. And then that gets her extra mad. But then I'm also going, Usopp, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like you're taking back old dirt that was resolved all the way back at Arlong Park. You witnessed it firsthand when she pretended to stab you, but she stabbed her own hand, and that's when you realized, oh, she's on our side. But again, because of that supernatural element bringing out the worst people, it's like the worst in people. It's bringing back this old ancient thought maybe that Usopp might have had at some point in the past, and then he just blurts it going, betrayal is your thing. And then worst off, when, again, when Nami is giving him the cold shoulder, instead of Usopp realizing oh, shit, I fucked up, didn't I? I need to apologize. Instead, he's going, what's her problem? Like, it's her fault, not his. So, the best character traits of the Straw Hats, in which they're understanding to each other, they trust one another, if shit happens, they'll address it, right? And then patch it, get better, and move on and heal. That doesn't happen whatsoever. They're accusing one another, they're the problem, they're the problem, they're the problem. They're, they're coming apart. But then at the climax, like, everything just falls to shit there. That was, yeah, like, it's yikes. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that I, I do, in fact, love this movie personally, it is hard to watch because I'm watching my favorite characters just ripping on one another. And it's not in a comedic way. It's not any, like, again, it's, it's very vague. And, and it's very vague in why they're doing this. Other than the fact that, oh, Brief said, oh, the Baron will tear you apart, right? Mentally. But there's never, like, <laughs> this is kind of weird. There's never, like, a 20 exposition dialogue plot dump, like, from the last movie, try to explain how the island works exactly. Because, again, the director and the writers are like, no, we're making a movie. We're telling a story. We're doing our own thing. Every minute is precious, right? So we have to convey a scene. We have to convey a tone of feeling, and we're progressing. We have this idea in mind. And, again, they nail that portion. But because of that, it leaves it a bit up to the, the viewer to interpret what's going on. For me, it felt natural. It felt familiar in terms of Lovecraftian storytelling. But Lovecraftian is also kind of niche. Not everyone loves Lovecraft. Like People know what Lovecraft is, but rightfully so. Not everyone loves it. 
it's kind of vague and all about mentality and madness. I mean, this isn't like that crazy. Lovecraftian necessarily. This is like light at best. So. This is light. Yeah, this is more a modern take. This isn't like this is closer to Stephen King rather than like Jinji Ito, right? But like you were Jinji saying, Ito. the Lily Carnation and I think like drying out and kind of changing them is definitely what's going on. I think that's yeah, supposed that, to be that's, like, the takeaway. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was getting to. Thank you. Um, thank you for clarifying. Actually, that was what I was referring to, like as the Eldritch property is Lily, like slowly tearing them apart, uh, mentally, friendship wise. But in terms of like literal Lovecraft comparison, like no, if it was actual Lovecraft, this would have a very bad ending. No one would have gotten off this island alive. <laughs> that's real Lovecraft. It almost looked or like even, it for a second, but it almost looked like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, or like Junji Ito, right? The more modern take of Lovecraftian storytelling where it's like, there's no dimensional aliens in this one. Like it doesn't go that crazy. It doesn't go that cosmic, but you could definitely tell with the imagery they use later on. They, they kind of want to take inspiration from it because we get those great iconic shots with the moon later on. Yeah. But sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Um, well, so and get, there's a portion. That's when we get this action scene, right? When they get attacked by the, well, the, uh, Real quick, real quick. Um, there's one more scene before that action sequence. It's when again Nami is trying to avoid Usopp and the crew, giving them, giving him and them the cold shoulder. And even Muchigoro is like, they're they're getting flirty, right? They're actually she calls yeah, him that's, that's the Roger part. Mm-hmm. And but Muchigoro actually asks her like, "Why are you talking to me? I'm a stranger. Why are you not with your crew?" And then she goes, "You know, I actually don't know." Anyway. So the movie is loaded with moments like that, where even the Straw Hats are going, why are we acting like this? But they don't ever linger on it too long, because that's part of what I'm familiar with, right? Like, it's just enough where it gives you a little bit of hope that maybe they'll try and see what's going on, but they've fallen too far into the corruption, right? That influence. And then Nami continues talking to Muchigoro, and we get this beautifully tense scene, or beautiful in a dark sense. Because I'm talking about the candlelight in the in the in the glass, mm-hmm. where it's super calm and relaxing. But when Muchigoro remembers these old memories, right, Gold Roger, that cruel storm, and then the, the candlelight starts flickering, getting tense and uh, like oh, <laughs> like about crazy, his face, like melt, and he starts to look like a zombie. Yeah, he be, he becomes drained. It looks like it almost looks like he got attacked by crocodile because the water was drained from his body almost, right? Yeah. And I believe that was incredibly intentional because, again, these are sprouts that we learned by the end of this movie. They're not actually the real crew members. Yeah, it's just like putting memories into plant fiber replicas, I guess. You could, yeah, it's almost so good that you almost think that are there souls like trapped in these bodies? Because the personalities are there almost one for one. From what, at least from what Their we gather from the Baron, seem to be there as well, intact too. Yeah, and when they get too far and they remember the storm, for example, then they lose their minds and literally become insane right. and fall unconscious. But yeah, we see that. We also saw that later with Kappa Boy DJ. Yeah, a little later, exactly. Um, and that one's much more direct. Like if you, if you didn't realize with Muchi of like, oh, he just had a bad memory and then collapsed. The DJ is like, no, you should be catching on what's going on at this point because DJ should have been dead <laughs> after what happened with DJ when he started catching on. Right. Um. So while this is going on, Usopp again is blaming, is unsure what's going on. He's not saying sorry. He's not thinking of saying sorry. He's thinking what's wrong with her. He goes off to the woods. He gets abducted by DJ in a pretty creepy scene because DJ wants his hat and he, Usopp made fun of his dialect. Usopp, you can't just do that. Um. But Usopp gets abducted. 
and then they realize now, hey, Usopp's missing. What's going on? And this is, again, this is right when things are getting really fucking tense, because now we're, like, down to, f- oh, gosh. Yeah, there's so much in this movie. The Robin sequence. The last part kind of blends together pretty quickly, honestly. Like, after yeah. this scene. Mm-hmm. So, Robin goes out for a walk, right? She drops the lame Lily Carnation to the Baron. The Baron doesn't flinch Yeah, anything, he's like, right? never heard of it. Yeah, never heard of it. He's pretty good about that. There's interesting he's flowers been... on this island. You don't yeah, see. Yeah, the, the Baron has been doing this for quite a while. He knows how to keep the act up. And Robin confirms, she finds, of like what's going on, she finds a lot more shipwrecks further into the island, or at least along the beach somewhere. I, I, no, further than the island, because it's right at the base of the mountain. And she finds only one ship that was washed up through natural means. Everything else was, like, destroyed. And then that's when the Baron confronts her, going, like, you found too much of my history, right? You're getting a little further in. And then Robin again asks, so where's Lily Carnation, and what's the deal with this island? The Baron points up, and then we see this giant, like, it looks like a string at first, but it's actually, like, a flower stem. But it's so massive it's like it looks kind of daunting weird actually it looks like a piece of rebar that's like kind of bit curled mm -hmm. like into a spiral yeah that's also why i brought up um stephen king and ito those two have dealt with like eldritch storytelling but they also know how to take things that are like seemingly simple like a clown with stephen king or like a circle a spiral with ito in this case it was just a flower stem what's so creepy about it you just gotta change something and have like the right tools to give it that ominous dread in this case it was just on top of a mountain almost like a dragon almost but it's just a stem why does it look so weird but it's also massive and then robin's realizing wait that's the fucking flower what's going on the baron draws his arrow and then you just see lily the, the flower on his shoulder start spazzing out and doing like almost like a almost like a seizure-inducing animation because it's so quick and so colorful, but just the eyes, right? But And starts laughing before he takes the shot, and then Robin then bites the dust. And you're like, what the fuck is going on with this movie, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's really dark from here. And then basically, I think, at this point, we're, like, back at the... Yeah, we're back the at the other barbecue. The other straw has is... to, like, start getting attacked by his other minions. Exactly, by DJ yeah. Kappa, like, bombs, like, plate bombs everywhere. It's just yeah, chaos exactly. at this point. It becomes complete chaos. And then Zoro starts to try to do that Zoro thing, take this guy out, and he, nope, just goes right through him. It goes, he does cut through, like, right. you see, like, and a I little line like, in the shirt. Kind of restitching back together, right? The plant. A little bit, yeah, because the shirt is still, like, cut a little bit, but the DJ, uh... The character named DJ, he's actually going like, why am I not bleeding? Why aren't I dying? And then I'm, because at this point, I'm fully caught on what the movie's trying to do. And I'm just screaming, because it's a god, Zoro. <laughs> you can't, gods don't bleed. <laughs> and yeah, at that point, and then Zoro bites the dust. Nami and Sanji bite the dust. Um, right, and then the bear just suddenly too. there. He gets, takes an arrow to the back. I think they all do, yeah. right? Just take a bunch of arrows. Uh, Zoro takes the arrow. Nami show? and Sanji take the explosives right. uh they get they get taken out by the explosives um right before that though you're again if you haven't watched the movie and you're w- listening to us why are they separated at this point and that's like the ultimate downfall because this is not at all what the straw hats would do even if they're going through the worst of times they would stick together unless they're a force to separate right they have a plan or something but it's just the four of them left it's just luffy zoro sanji and nami and again they go okay now robin's missing oh sorry Robin's missing, and now Usopp's missing. What's going on? 
and a final dose of out of character, Sanji lashes out at Nami, where's Usopp? And then she even looks a little shocked, going, right. I don't know. Like she has no she has nothing to say. Usually the character who has, you know, the the best idea, the best logic besides Robin or Chopper, she is completely dumbfounded and doesn't know what to do, not to say. She has no understanding what's going on. Again, she's usually the girl with the plan. Remember Arlong Park. But in this case, she's just completely helpless at this point. Sanji and Zoro at first are confront- confrontational with the Baron. Like, we don't want to do your next trial. This is bullshit. We, we see DJ with Usopp's hat here. Where's Usopp? But instead of them uniting against the Baron, right? Oh, Sanji also accused Luffy and blamed him for everything. That was the final, like, oh, fuck Yeah, moment. this movie makes sure that you know that something's going on with their personalities. Yeah, that's why I, um, I'm trying to stress here with people who didn't like the movie because the characters didn't were out of character, but they didn't understand why. The movie is intentionally making them act out of character. And this is the final portion where Sanji is blaming Luffy, his captain. This is all your fault. You want to do these trials. That's why we're being torn apart. And on top of that, when the Baron and the DJ even admit, yeah, their friends are missing, you, the trial, you can try and go find them, but dodge our snipers, right? At that point, they're not even bothering with the fun games anymore. And instead of Zoro and Sanji fighting the Baron with Luffy, they split up and they go, screw this. I'm going to find them myself. Sanji goes his own way too. Nami for a second goes, Luffy, what should we do? But Luffy was so struck too, going like, what the fuck's going on? And, like, what the hell happened to my crew? And then Nami even goes, all right, screw this. I'm going to run. And abandons the captain. So, and all, like, all the rest. So, at this point, I think Luffy is the only one who's able to catch on that the Baron is directly responsible for everything going on. Or at least he thinks it's the Baron. I think right? I Not think that's really. kind of part of Luffy's just general understanding of a situation. Because he's fighting yeah. the Baron. I think he does, yeah. He seems to understand yeah. that he needs to deal with this guy. See, what, see what's up. And yeah, I did say that each character acted a bit out of character. I will say it's not quite out of character, but more like it takes longer than usual. Luffy didn't quite get the feeling that something's going on until like half of his crew is missing. Yeah. Whereas I feel like bef- normally Luffy would uh, like un- like sense this right away, right? My family, my crew is missing or, or they're not here. Something's happening to them. Whereas it took him that long because he's being distracted by the eating and the festivals. He's having too much fun. Where, again, we love Luffy for that kind-hearted nature of his, but he knows when to have it, right? And knows when to get serious. So, at that point, that's how he was influenced. He was a bit too late in that sense, right? That understanding. Then we have that action sequence where Luffy, rightfully so, attacks the Baron. But the Baron is ready. And then we see how the those arrows form. That, that actually looked like good animation. I don't know yeah. if that was CG or not. But it was like roots from the bow forming in his hand from the flower and then it worked like um what's the blue guy from guardians of the galaxy yondo yondu that sounds right uh the arrow he fires it works like that he fires the arrow at luffy he dodges but then the arrow stops turns and homes in on him again (laughs) over and over again and it's destructive anything it hits it like it just explodes yeah yondu um and that's, that's happening like at that. the same time, pretty much, that Zoro is fighting the Kappa when Sanji yeah. and Nami are up, up top. Or outside, yeah, exactly, guess, during right? that chase sequence. Yeah, during that chase sequence. Um, and they fall one by one. Um, we got another tease again where, like, something, something's wrong with uh, the Baron's crew. 
Like, he's trying to keep it together, right? He's trying to keep this... It's not even a tease at this together. point, you know? It's just, like, not telling us exactly what's going on, but we know that they're undead, I think. That's pretty obvious at this point. At this point, but we're not... But at the same time, you're not sure quite exactly... Honestly, it kind of is obvious to be to be In hindsight, real. it is. In hindsight, it no, is. No, I, honestly, I, I guess the only thing you don't understand, like, like is the plant going to absorb them? I felt like I understood that, though. Go At this point, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they all have plants on their heads. It's a weird giant flower that Robin's looking into. Their plants make mm-hmm. them zombies, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah, it. and then Lily's making this very scary fucking face whenever that arrow is being fired. Um, And then when Luffy is trying to avoid the arrow, he gets a face plant to the dirt. Um, Brief actually saves him because he has like a tunnel network underground. Because, again, he's been on the on for quite a long time. And then we cut to... I guess the start of the third movie, like Chopper right? With and, Chopper and, and the Papa. family, yeah, and yeah. So Chopper is at the top of the mountain with the family. It looks like a like a graveyard, oh, like a wasteland. Sorry, it might as well be a graveyard. And we see the stem up close. It is giant. We see a full moon in the background, and everyone's freaking out, right? Because obviously, like, what the fuck's going on? And then we see like these weird supernatural threads come out of these holes at the end of the stem as it starts like pulling up the daughter daisy and starts pulling up those threads creep me the fuck out of me yeah because at this point the music is incredibly ominous it sounds almost like a pipe organ in slow motion playing like one or two notes i don't know the exact instrument playing but it sounded so fucking creepy while it's going on while again this eldritch being was about to take this little girl chopper comes in saves the day chopper punches the stem right punches the stem um good moment for freeze the girl the baron's there though he blows an arrow at chopper's feet makes him lose his footing just long enough for the stem to then grab chopper and you're going oh fuck oh fuck this is a god about to eat oh fuck then the family tries to save chopper right but then like the scariest part of the scene is when you see that it already has robin It has everyone at that point. Yeah. And it shows, Uh, I think Robin was the first one. You see her body and like imagery really creepy. They kind of look like they're like glowing red almost like on the white flower. So they look like bloodied. It's evocative. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, it looks really cool. I mean, that is my aesthetic that I love. But the fact that it's one piece characters makes it so hard to watch because I love these characters. (laughs) And the worst part, too, is that when the family was trying to save Chopper, uh, Papa, the main character, pirate guy he actually pulls them away and lets the lily eat chopper while saving his own family right and then he even has like a bout burst himself where he slaps his own wife of like stopping him trying to stop him from daughter? what he's trying to do to save the family that's his daughter no papa oh wait is that his daughter yeah, the bigger lady two daughters and a son oh okay okay Not sorry is what i'm saying oh okay so yeah he slaps the older sister right the older daughter i guess um trying to save Chopper, but to no avail. And, of course, the Baron's just laughing maniacally because Chopper's like, oh, my friends are going to save me. My friends are going to save me. Cause, you know, like, because, again, Chopper's, like, the least corrupted of the crew at this point because he's doing his own thing. And the Baron's just laughing, going, your friends? They're right there. You're going to join them. And then we see the entire crew. And we get that horrible scene where the threads let go of Chopper. Chopper goes into that open stem part. You just stop hearing him scream. And then you just look at Lily going, munch. Yum. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, this is straight up Stephen King shit right here. <laughs> yeah. We're really an adorable is. little flower going munch. And it's like, it's oh like my weird God, bizarro world. 
that's so much so crazy because then the whole like rest of the movie lily is chewing it's just the struggle as well like of luffy versus this guy basically and it lasts for like it's like a 20 minute struggle yeah it's in two different parts right the first part it's like completely hopeless um luffy catches up um we can kind of skip that portion. He first is in that tunnel yeah, sequence. I, with, the the uh, one Brief. thing I would say, like, we get a kind of expo from the tunnel guy, right, from Brief, and then we get the fight starts. Yeah. The best part of we, this initial struggle is, like, that futility of Luffy trying to, like, throw a gum gum pistol, then his right arm gets pinned. Then he tries, you know, yep. again, with his left arm, his left, left arm, arm gets pinned, tries to kick, pinned, all four of his limbs get pinned. That was that was a really cool scene, right? And then ultimately, just he tries to stretch out his neck and like fly yep. in towards the last a straw hat that he can see being Zoro. I thought that was a good choice. Mm-hmm. Screaming their name because the whole time too, the Baron is enjoying this. Like he is being cruel, going, "Oh, it's your, uh, it's the other girl now. Oh, it's your cook. Oh, this is your last one. It's the swords." Right. He's he's, he's perfectly content. It seems like to to let Luffy to- watch, but it's when Luffy tries to like reach out that he'll pin the limb like no gotta watch you gotta watch this no you gotta watch yep you gotta watch you got you gotta go through the same torture that i did and it's they're like oh this is actually okay he's a he's a cruel fucking horrible villain but there's a bit of depth to this character right there's a bit of depth which is much better i think he's one of the best by far villains actually oh absolutely should be yeah Absolutely, because I'm thinking like if this was in manga form, in, like, in oh, some way he's not really the villain. Carnation is right because he's also yeah. under the effects of it. His worst aspects being that he missed his crew too much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Couldn't exactly. couldn't get over their deaths. Yeah. yeah, so it works perfect. So that's also why I wanted to say that this villain has a depth because he's a villain, but he's also a tragic character. That could have been Brooke. Where... Like if Brooke was on this island, he would exactly. have he would have become the Baron very likely. It could have been quite possibly because yeah, the whole thing with Omatsuri is. Um, he made a deal with the devil, so to speak, where the Lily Carnation, right? The island, because he's the only one survivor of that storm, right? That cruel storm, which Igoro was talking about. He's the only survivor. And again, it's kind of mentioned off screen, but it's heavily implied. You can put the pieces together that Lily made a deal with him going, you bring me souls of other pirates, other people in any way. I don't care how you feed me, right? Then I can give you the illusion that your crew is still alive, right? You won't be alone. It's, and, a, it's a very little shop of horrors uh, situation going on. Absolutely, and it's also title the Baron, of this episode, "Little Island of Horrors." Come on, it's right there. <laughs> I was thinking "Call of Carnation" myself. Um, then you have the Baron, like even admitting that he's aware that it's an illusion that's not real because he's con- whenever he speaks uh, and he's like, it seems like he's trying to mock Luffy of like, "Oh, these friends, like, you do? You, is it really worth living when you're all alone?" He's projecting. He completely is projecting because he's living in that false facade of a life that he's in. He's trapped himself in because he's just incredibly scared of being alone. Um, and we get that horrible scene too, where again Luffy looks like his mind is shattered and his will's broken because he failed to save Zoro and he's just pinned to that rock. And that's when Omatsuri is like, "There's no point in living without your crew, right? So I guess you want death as a mercy, don't you? Right?" And like right before the arrow can be fired, uh, Captain Brief once again saves Luffy with that extensive underground network of tunnels he has, and we get like this that color palette moment I mentioned where we did, first did you see... also get the impression that that extensive underground tunnel network was literally plot holes? <laughs> <'Cause> that's <laughs> no, how I, I felt that. about it. If I'm being really completely honest, 
I would say, well, we don't know the extent of Brief's powers or, you know, abilities. He's there for quite a long time. Because what was clear is that he, too, was there on the island and lost his entire crew. So you could go, okay, so maybe his talent was that he was an, a great engineer like Frankie. But, like, for, you know, tunnels and struck and bunkers and shit. And he's been doing that for, like, the last couple of years. We don't know how long he's been on the island. Yeah. So... I don't, I don't know. I can, I can tell me to that joke, though, with the plot holes. Um, but it's a little convenient, do, you know? A li- it's a little convenient, I'll say. Um, there was definitely a great moment where the color palette, right? With Because at this point, Luffy is shattered at this point. He thinks he lost his entire crew. He thinks they're dead. I don't know what's going on either, because I'm going, this is a movie. I feel like they're dead. Right. I <laughs> felt like that, that's kind of the climax in a way, because it's the point wherein I felt that Luffy had finally lost his best attribute, which is like he would never give up hope or lose his determination. Yeah. And where right there, he kind of did until, you know, inspiring speech from brief. But there's also um, the hope that he got from Daisy, because as a callback to Skypia, right? You always have the little girl with the hockey, but they don't say it's hockey. Yeah, she it's can hear the voices. Hockey. Yeah, she can hear the voices of the Straw Hats. They're still calling this to him. This is way before There's... Haki, though. I, mean, it, I guess it, it is post-Skypea, right? It, it's post-Skypea. So you do have Isa. Yeah, so she's kind of like Isa-inspired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then she's saying, yeah, the Straw Hats are still alive. I can hear Chopper. I can hear your other crew members. There's like six voices total. And that's enough to go, oh, they're still alive. And then Brief goes, yeah, so we probably don't have a lot of time. Don't dawdle. Don't and don't think you're alone just yet, Luffy. You still have me. He does that little like cheesy like salute with his finger on his yeah, stash it's a mustache, kind of thing. Mustache salute, you're, like making a fake mustache. But what I love is after he did that, because Luffy, when he just wakes up, he is like gray. He is zombified. Yeah, he is yeah. void of life. But when that little cheesy salute happens and he goes, "You still have a friend. It's me." The color palette slightly returns. There's a bit more color again. On Luffy. Everyone else still has color, but he's like gone. It continues but, as well when the little girl shows up and she says, like, I can still hear your friends. Like, when it cuts back to him, he's like even regaining more yeah. color. And then we get that, tri- oh, and then we get that great moment where he, because again, at this point, the so at this point, the Baron is like trying to fire arrows randomly, trying to get, snuff out the tunnels, right? Trying to get out the, the Captain uh, Captain Brief. And you get that moment where Luffy's like walking out of the smoke going, oh, it's on, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I got I gotta save my crew. I know your I know your deal now. Uh, you got arrows. I know what to do now. I got brief helping me out here. He's got intel. I got a shot. Right. You get the music playing. You get the trumpets going. The drums going. And you think, oh, it's gonna be an awesome like moment where Luffy's gonna have a one on one combat, and then maybe he beats up the Baron enough. It'll be like Gloria. Uh, it'll be like Moria, and then the shadows will just you know revert itself after you defeat him enough. Right. Maybe it'll be like that. Um. But unfortunately, not quite. You get a, you do get a fantastic moment though, where Luffy is running ahead, but Brief is like about to get killed by the arrows. Luffy goes back yep. to save his he friend. He has a giant and then, rock in his hand. Yeah, like a shield. Oh, so sick. But then the best part though is that Luffy like looks back to Brief, like, "No, because you're my friend." And then he re- finally returns that cheesy salute. And I'm the like, punch right, right after that was better than like the final b- fade out punch. That, that definitely was. That definitely he, was. Like, that just kind of blocks it, with, and then the rock crumbles from all the arrows, and he just sends his fist flying, and the yep. camera kind of like pans That's and follows it all Sakuga. the way. It was beautiful. Yep. Sakuga, Sakuga animation, just punching him right in the fucking face. Oh, uh, that was definitely fantastic. That was definitely a well-deserved punch. 
with the emotional ending too, with him with Luffy being Luffy and returning the salute with the mustache. And also when I, he's I, I, when he's attacking the stem of the lily looks really good mm-hmm. too. When he's like flying through the air. <laughs> Did you also notice that when the stem was getting punched, it was emitting like rainbow colors from the stem? Yeah, like, yeah, like at Luffy, like uh. I don't know if that was like it's god energy, quote unquote, as you've been calling it, like as it's a you know kind of yeah, it's eldritch. It's eldritch yeah, that was like it seemed kind of like that was it's maybe it's like power or the life force maybe that it, I don't know, but it was losing something oh, there. It it kind of fits because whenever uh, writers trying to explain like interdimensional shit, like when they go full cosmic, they'll mention like colors beyond imagining. So a good re- substitute would be like rainbows, where it's a mixture of everything. Um. So I'm just like, okay, that's just that's another Eldritch feature. Not that important, though. But I mean, the craziest but part of this whole The craziest is, part. <laughs> the craziest part is you think he does the final blow against that giant stem. And it sounds like he's punching metal at that point, too. It's very It looks sturdy. like metal as well. Like I, like I was saying, it really does look like a mm-hmm. piece of rebar. A rebar. Mm-hmm. And you get that full shot of the full moon. But then you get the, the big, uh-oh, oh shit, another oh shit moment where Daisy is hearing, oh shit the voices aren't coming from that stem and Luffy does that slow turn with the moon behind him after like the stem is like coming apart. It almost looked like a scene out of end of Evangelion with you have like the moon shot yeah, when it goes and the like shadows. Red and black kind of silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have the ominous music going on the, you know, the theme of loneliness. <laughs> it's like, you're trying to do your end of Evangelion shit going on. Hasoda? What's going on here? And man, like uh, all those arrows when it splits, like when the carnation split into like that moon. And it's just, they're just floating there. Thousands and they're, and they're, of arrows. More than that. I think, I think it's implying that it's supposed to be like millions even, but it looks like thousands. Sorry. But the main thing was that slow turn that Luffy made. Cause he realized, Oh fuck. And probably this is the most disturbing scene in the movie for me, because this is when it goes full on embracing the body horror as well. Yeah, when Luffy where Lily is getting impaled. Not that it's, it's the reveal of Lily's true form, and we see the stem that's like the the stomach oh, of the flower, I think right? That, was that weird, actually. To me, it was because it was the silhouettes of all the straw hats just in its stomach, and it's remember it's still chewing, it's still right. eating. That part was so a little to me, unsettling. That part was incredibly to me because I'm thinking that they're completely constricted. They're stuck. They're in this deep black abyss, right? And they're getting their life drained out because at that point, too, uh, while Luffy has, after Luffy gets pierced by all the arrows, right? And the Baron goes, each arrow represents each day I spent alone on this island, right? After that storm. And then Luffy is like struggling to walk. And again, his color palette's gone. Yeah. Um, He's struggling to walk over, and you start hearing the whispers through from the straw hats. You hear them going, Luffy, Luffy, Luffy. Like, they're, like, with, like, the last inch of their life they still have, they're calling for help. And now we, the audience, can now hear them. And meanwhile, that full moon is starting to set in the background, and that tells me that's their time limit. If that full moon goes away, they're dead. And it's, like, more than halfway down. So I'm like, we're fucked at this point. (laughs) And then... Lily goes full on, like you mentioned, piranha plant, but much more frightening, right? He starts going full laughing. Yeah, this is when he like goes demonoid piranha plant. Baron Omatsuri lets down his palm tree looking hair, and now he just has his hair down as the lily on his shoulder is like taking full form. Um, then we have a strike of bravery by, again, not Usopp, Papa, when Daisy goes, 
yeah, when Papa asked about the, her hearing, it does seem out of place. I will say this came out of nowhere. Right. Where Papa was asking, like, where'd you get your hearing? And then Daisy goes, I've, I don't know how long I've had this, but I'm guessing from mom. And I always overhear you trying to act strong and brave, but you don't have to do that. We know you're strong, right? Again, reaffirming that even this girl is wise enough that, yeah, true bravery and strength is acting at the key critical moments. But I'm also going, he let Chopper be eaten, though. So I'm not feeling it right now. He brought it back around, though, right? Because earlier, Baron tossed aside his bow, right? Because literally all the arrows are right there from the former stem. And he is just laughing and just cruelly looking at Luffy's suffering. But the Papa gets his bravery. He grabs an arrow, grabs a bow. Again, the long bow that physically requires an immense amount of strength. This little pipsqueak looking dead. He pulls the bow out and he's struggling to aim, right? Both from like how tough it is to pull and from fear. Because then Lily looks around and goes, oh, you're doing something? I guess Mm -hmm. I can eat one more, right? But then everyone goes, you can do it. You can do it, Papa. You can do it. And then fucking lets out one final roar, lets the arrow fly, direct hit at Lily and it bursts. Surprisingly fragile, I'll say. (laughs) Yeah. So again, also true Lovecraft. That arrow would do nothing. Yeah. However, I also give it a pass because the arrows are from Lily itself. True. So what's the only thing? So that's an incredible little reference there, where it's the only thing strong enough to like to pierce it to destroy it is itself. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, all you just need is the right guidance, right? In this yeah. case, it was Papa with the bow and, and arrow. I just when I said I wanted to talk about this guy earlier. Great moment. Came back around. Like you said, he did kind of fail in the beginning. But man, this guy gets no respect. Literally doesn't even have a name. He's only it's referred Papa. to as the dad. <laughs> Papa. We know the family name, but I, I wrote them down somewhere. But it starts with an O, I think. But I'm just yeah, like, yeah. yeah um, whatever. <laughs> it's another O name. Um, But yeah, it the arrow flings. It, it kills Lily in incredibly gory fashion. I also got a little worried too, because I'm like, "Well, Lily came apart. Where are the straw hats? Are they all the? Are they the gourd too?" That's why, Where like, I never really <laughs> thought the straw hats were like inside Lily when it was doing that statue thing. I thought it was more of a taunt, which why it didn't disturb me necessarily. I, I can see that, but when the, I heard the voices, that sold it for me. I'm just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> That's when I got it. But then, yeah. So then, one final moment, because at this point, the Baron's breaking down, right? Because this was his illusion. I had to just take care of this Eldritch God. And I can pretend that my crew is still alive. Which, by the way, after the crew, the Straw Hats were eaten, the crew were acting like they were being re-energized and waking up because they felt like they were drained and tired before. Because, again, Lily was hungry. But because they're feeding on the Straw Hats' like life force, their energy, their souls, they got woken up. But then when Lily got pierced, while they were jumping and celebrating, just instant. No transition effect or anything. They just turned the sprouts. They turned the plants. That's it. That was the, their true form the whole time. And even all the arrows that were piercing Luffy, they all went away, too. The damage was still done, but at least he doesn't have arrows in him now. Was it? It kind of seemed like he didn't have any holes in him. It didn't seem... That's another detail that's kind of wrong, because yeah. remember at the end of the movie, he does seem like he's incredibly wounded and battered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't so know. I, it's magic. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's super... It's cosmic action magic. <laughs> it's cosmic damage. Um, and then we get, yeah, the discount, um, Shibodi, uh, 
Shibodi uh, Eldritch Dragon, <laughs> Eldritch Dragon, Celestial Dragon punch that I thought looks good, but yeah, oh, you're man, right. Even I the anime not, got the punch a lot better. I did not think it looked good. I didn't like it as much in terms of timing. Like animation, I can forgive. The timing, I didn't like it because this was after the Baron was already like in his broken state. And this was kind of like, you know, a last final revenge punch. But I'm also like, if Luffy really wanted to get uh, like, yeah, a satisfying punch. I looked at it again just now. I, I've seen better animation on YouTube. Ouch. <laughs> I, I do not like that at all. Okay. I get you. Um, but yeah, I, I still think the timing was a little off because this was after, like, again, the arrow piercing. And also, the transition is very quick because after he does that punch to the Baron again, then we get that emotional monologue breakdown, which actually is fantastically voice acted and well-performed. But the transition was really rough. I feel like at this point in the movie, because they had like five minutes left in the runtime, that they had to speed it up a little bit. Yeah. Um. So that's why the little moments like that, like, you know, Luffy not being completely bloody after he's pierced by like hundreds of arrows, even after, you know, they're gone, there's still not any blood or even any holes. Um. We get this incredible performance by uh, the Baron's voice actor where he is completely broken down, where he's just like, you know, please don't leave me. I don't want to be alone. And we're just looking at a black screen. We can feel the loneliness that he's experiencing. Mm -hmm. And then we get that touching moment from his crew members. And this is why I kind of implied earlier that maybe it's their soul still trapped because he still gets like this interaction with his fallen comrades who have been dead for like, I think, more than 20 years going like, it's great that you still love and care for us, but honestly, man, you need to move on. You need to make some new friends. Just look at all these other pirates that you just fought, right? They found friends in each other. And, and that scene kind of implies that it was eating souls to me. A little bit, yeah. That was the implication because, that I got. Yeah, that's, that's why I mentioned it, too. So, again, that's still in line with Eldritch Horror. And they go, it's time to move on. And then for a split second near the before the credits, we even see that the Baron is, in fact, alive because you see his goggles left behind, like, a couple of flowers in the midst of the wasteland, implying that there's some hope for his life, this tragic villain character, to try and finally move on with his life. It's not going to be easy, especially after what he did for the last 20 fucking years. But, yeah, Baron Omatsuru is a fantastic movie villain, with Lily Carnation being that catalyst for the worst of his attributes. Um, so I think uh, pretty clear you're going to give this a 10 out of 10. Actually, no. Um, oh. As much as I, I do love this movie, it does have its issues, right? Because what you say is still completely right. True, it's like where... I can I really like the movie as well, but it's still just it just feels wrong as it a feel, One Piece yeah, movie. Fe- you know, it's just yeah, not right. It feels yeah, especially with the ending because it goes full on. Uh... So okay, what'd you think of the ending? Because originally it took me a moment to think about it, where. Luffy is w- woken back up, right? And the sun is rising, and the Straw Hats are all there, but they seemingly don't remember what just happened, right? They got the amnesia tropes wiped. Right. What'd you think of that? Actually, I didn't hate it. It was kind of like they were in a magical haze the whole time. It's like a weird, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and because yeah, and we mentioned, too, that there was, like, this corruption going on. So, with Lily going on, yeah. that, yeah, that corruption included the memories of, like, what they did. However, sorry. So that's also why I never, I didn't hate it because I'm thinking again, Lovecraftian terms, um, a person going through this cosmic horror, having a mind wipe is the most merciful thing you can do. Yeah. Have them forget all the torture they went through, all the horrors they witnessed and have them forget it. That is the most merciful thing you can do. Presentation wise, it was just a bit too quick 
Um, I think if it was truly going for like a darker One Piece movie rather than like a darker movie with One Piece characters, they would have had an extra like five minutes with the crew like getting back to their ship, but they still understood what they did was, you know, was real. And they have like this awkward moment where they try and address what happened, but then they slowly start becoming themselves again. Usopp and Nami, like, I can imagine them, like, you know, crying and breaking down, saying sorry to each other for what they did and what they said. Yeah, it was, it was abruptly, like, wrapped up, is what you're saying. Yeah, Zoro and Sanji, like, they, they'll, they'll still glare at each other and go, like, crew? Crew. You give, like, give, like, a, yeah, like, a no, nod, I, and I that's feel it. like they just be like, I meant every word of this, you know? But you know what? I, you know, okay, you know what? Uh, compromise. The, Sanji still goes, I meant every word, but then he still offers Zoro food. How about that? That'd be, that'd be good, <laughs> like, yeah. Offers him a bowl, right? At least something like that. Um, and then maybe Chopper helping them come to terms because he's a doctor and also was least corrupted. Um, I still would have wanted something like that where they spent a little time just settling down and talking about what the fuck just happened. Because there's a lot of intentional character regression in this movie, which is great for Eldritch storytelling. But for One Piece storytelling, you need to have all that extra planning and layering that Oda is so good at. He hasn't done Eldritch uh, style writing just yet. We could get that in the future in One Piece, who knows? Never know. But I feel that Oda would have spent more time. But because it's a 90-minute movie, you're limited with what you can do. And the animators, directors, writers, they planned this movie exactly as they wanted. And it, for the most part, it definitely works. And I do love the movie. But because of that, like you say, it still doesn't quite feel like a One Piece movie. It's like, uh, here is an Eldritch It's like a really, really movie. good fan fiction. Kind, yeah, it's like, a fan, it's like a fan fiction I would try and write it. Where it's like, I love One Piece, but I need some Eldritch horror. I'm going to put this lily eating the straw hats in my, in my story. But overall, I still incredibly enjoyed this movie um watching it twice it was really fucking good the second time through as well because you're looking for those little details and you see the clues early on mm -hmm. but at the end of the day it still feels more like um is it hosoda is that the director yeah hosoda yeah it feels like an an hosoda film with one piece tagged on rather than a one piece movie directed by hosoda right which is not a terrible thing but when you're what when you but when you're choosing to watch a one piece shown in movie, you want a one piece movie directed by a yeah, soda. This, not the it's like such a complicated movie to explain my feelings about because I like that it's different from normal one piece stuff, right? Yeah, and absolutely. It's it gives good you a lot to think about for that reason. But that's also mm -hmm. kind of why you have to look at it differently because it's far enough away from normal one piece stuff that it doesn't really feel at all like one yeah. piece like or not enough quite enough like mm. one piece movie but you know so it's like it's literally impossible to justify this dichotomy of me liking it because it's not quite like one piece but also not liking it because it's not like one piece it's yeah, yeah. it's it, it's the it's the greatest conflict of being a one piece fan because it's like this is still a great movie but but at the same time did adventure it felt much more jovial and fun because this felt like a really extended and uh budgeted and cared for filler arc in one piece it felt fun and fantastic and this one while yeah sorry while we're continuing dead end while the characters are true to themselves we get like probably one of the best scenes with nami in a long time even in the yeah. manga right that bar scene zoro included i still give him credit for that scene too even though he didn't do as much 
um, characters standing out being themselves. While as this movie, it was a big experiment. And let's have active, intentional character regression. And as why are they acting like this? Well, it's it's a bit of eldritch uh, cosmic horror. At the same time, it's also them fighting against one another. So it feels a bit organic. But if you are a true fan, you understand that this is not this easy. What the hell's going on? And then you get the last third of this movie and you're going, oh, we're just going end of Evangelion at this point. And instead of Shinji, we have Luffy. Um, luckily, though, it doesn't end as depressing as EOE. It ends more on, okay, the Straw Hats are back to normal. They can't quite remember. Luffy does, but he's just happy they're back, right? So, and Luffy's strong enough to take in that that pain. He's gone through a lot worse as well with uh, Moria, right? All that right. pain he had from all those people with are in him. And then Zoro took the pain after that. So, again, I like I think you nailed it, actually, where it was like, I, I love the fact that this movie exists. I love that they experimented. Yeah. Hosoda this was This is the kind of like, the thing the you want to see from a movie, right? It's like, maybe show me something a little bit different. Yeah. Give me something comfy like Dead Adventure, but don't make it just Dead Adventure over and over again. Give me something like this every now yeah, and then. Maybe just, like, right? bring it one step back, you know? Maybe <laughs> one step back. I mean, the ambition's there. I love it. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, don't forget it's a One Piece movie. Or in this case, I almost felt like he almost forgot it was, sorry, the the team kind of almost forgot it was a One Piece movie. But they kind of brought it back together a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're still feeling like this feels more like an Eldritch movie with One Piece characters yeah. than One Piece movie directed by Hosoda. But I love it exists. Um, Again, it is a fucking experience. You could tell from the timer we've talked about this movie for longer than the runtime, 90 minutes, because yeah. there's a lot to dissect. Um, I would say also keep the animation and drip because <laughs> that's so <laughs> fucking drip. good. Oh, even if man. you don't like the yeah, even if you don't like the cosmic horror in this film, the drip is so fantastic. The animation incredibly works for One Piece. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, I agree. Mostly except I, for that one punch that I really hated. Well, you know, <laughs> the last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, personally, I have to give it a fair score. Um, I would say eight out of ten, just like Dead End. Dead End was a solid One Piece movie. I thought you this were going to rate it higher. I really did. I thought I was too, personally. But after thinking about it, it got through the honeymoon phase, right? And I'm just like, there are problems with this movie that, like I mentioned, I also said it, I can't rewatch this movie because my favorite characters are going through suffering and pain. So I'm like, that kind of hurts the rewatch. That kind of hurts the score right. a little bit. I, I give it a 7 out of 10. It's pretty good. Yeah. So It's yeah, worth watching. I, I can understand. Yeah, I can if understand you're not that. a young... Watcher um, of One Piece, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're ten and you haven't seen the end of Evangelion or this movie, you should probably wait a little longer because those are really <laughs> heavy shit. Oh, who do you think is the MVP of this movie? I want to give it to either Papa or Brie. Uh, it's Papa for sure. You think it's Papa? Okay, it's definitely none of the Straw Hats, right? Unfortunately, no. That's again also why it doesn't feel like a One Piece movie because they don't really get to quite shine as they usually do. The first third they did, but after that they've slowly regressed. Um, I kind of want to give the MVP to Brief because of that he kept Luffy together just long enough for that final climax, right? To tell yeah. him like you got a friend in I, me. I, I, I wouldn't be pull, mad toy either toy. way. Yeah. So props to the writers and the team for making the OCs the MVP. But at the same Kids time, it's like, <laughs> and they're yeah, exactly well. They're not. She wasn't annoying, but she was a plot device. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm fine she, with that. She though. was. Yeah, she's just like, eh. wait, yeah. So 
There's so the papas with three kids. Did the son do anything? No, at all. I no. mean, he tried <laughs> he to help pull Chopper down. So good for him with everyone else. Yeah, with everyone yeah, else. With the other ones. That's a group effort. I mean, if it was a group effort, the other the thing, other then... sister didn't really do anything either. Like individually, uh, she talked shit to the to the dad when he was trying to fake some stuff, and then she was kind of like the Misty of that family, right? Where it's just right. like, oh, you're full of shit, or even the Nami. But um, yeah, movie OCs were good. Um, pretty good score. Baron Omatsuri is a really fantastic villain, he, he's tragic like, character too. The, the Lily itself is such a cool idea as like something that's not necessarily yeah. like a person as a villain and tying it in you know, yeah. to the villain. That's cool. I like that. Mm. But at, at the end of the day, when you're rating villains, it's like, well, she's an eldritch horror, so she doesn't have a character. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it's, a, it's a horror. Yeah, when you say the Baron, it, it includes Lily. Yeah. So. I actually want to ask this too because I'm actually curious. Where would you rank the Baron with other One Piece villains? Like, like if he series? were in some weird world, like a canon villain. Yeah, if this was like, yeah, let's, 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 if we got the same kind of storyline, but a little more Oda, and with yeah. generally the same ideas, probably like top four or three. Top, yeah, probably top that's three, all. Yeah, it's like that's that's what I was really thinking good. too because that's what I was thinking too because the movie runtime it's much more limited with his backstory and everything, but. The movie was, again, so well put together that it was just enough to get, remind you that, yeah, so this character is a cruel pirate. Let's not beat around the bush. He was enjoying the fact Luffy was suffering, right? But it's kind of like he was, it felt like to me that he embraced that role because this is his life now. Yeah, it's, it's a well 10 out of 10 concept, it. but I would need, we need to expand exactly. it a little bit. And assuming that was done well, then he'd be a top tier villain. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll get a villain like that in the future. Um. But yeah, eight out of ten. It's still a great experience. It's like the seal of approval with from OP. It's OP of like this is a, an experience. Please it, watch it. It is an experience. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen the movie yet, but you listened to this entire episode, it's please still, still watch it's it. Still <laughs> worth watching. It's still like just weird and just watching mm-hmm. it and seeing it. Yeah. Another another last note too is if you do dislike this movie, I'm not gonna blame you. Right, because you heard me like saying I'm familiar with Lovecraft storytelling, so I associated with that. I was able to connect the dots with these, uh, these elements. Why the my character, my favorite characters were acting out of character when we gave the last movie so much shit, right, for having Zoro out of character. This, this whereas one in this like one actually intentional, yeah, it's though. intentional, and but it also lacks that shonen formula of like having a character explained to us directly. Like if this was. I guess even Oda. If, if this was, was in, in manga, One Piece, they would have brief. explained how like the Baron was yeah. being tortured as well, and by this plan, it brought out the worst of yeah. people. But yeah, they would have explained ba- the bar- Baron backstories, maybe Brief's own backstory too, what happened with his crew, or maybe not even that. I don't know, but it would have like the Brief and the pirate family like come together and realize, oh shit! After we, what we learned with Chopper, we can imply, yeah, this flower, this lily, is slowly corrupting your crew, and actually like use those key terms right that I've been using to make it clear that, oh, shit, that's why these characters aren't acting like themselves. And even then, it'd be a hard read, because, again, we're watching Usopp and Nami yell at each other and getting slapped, Zoro and Sanji straight up, like, having their rivalry so bad that they're actively, like, getting each other um, harmed in some way. There was actually something that we didn't mention where Nami was tied up and hanging, right? And there's this moment where Sanji is trying to help Nami for a second, but they're so distracted by the Kiro they both look like they're attacking her for a second, and when Nami falls in the water, Sanji doesn't rescue her. He's still just trying to fight Kiro, and it's like, that's mm-hmm. not Sanji whatsoever. He would be a white knight and save her. 
And not to mention almost hit her, too, with that kick. Or Zoro, too. Zoro almost cut Sanji and Nami at that same time. Again, character's acting that character. A lot to t- discuss and talk about. I hope we did a good job. Hope hope we didn't... Uh... If you want to discuss <laughs> some more, where can they find you, Jacob? <laughs> if you if you want to talk to me about more about this movie or any other One Piece related stuff, you can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A. Lots to unload, and even after talking about it, I feel like hopefully watching the next movie will get out of my system because this movie has been on my mind for quite a while. Um, where can they find you, Justin, if they wanted to also talk about this movie or other One Piece content? On a Twitter at Jitsu, it's J-I-T-S-Z-U. Talk to me about all One Piece stuff, most just manga stuff, if it's in Shonen Jump. I'd be reading that. Oh, um, definitely, whenever I will react and comment on like the new chapters on Twitter of like what's going on. Not too much, because honestly, we're waiting for the arc to finish before we can do the full-on analysis on the podcast. But each chapter that comes out, you'll get my raw reaction, have a little discussion here and there of like what's going on. But I will not have those until like Sunday when the official chapter release happens, even though I read the early scans. So I wait right, for that I, day. I read the raw. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, you can literally read Japanese. So <laughs> I wait for you to tell, give me the link. Um, but yeah, also, if you want to leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, whatever allows a review or rating system, please leave us feedback. We love that. We love it. And it um, really helps us out. Absolutely. And so next movie is The Giant Mechanical Soldier of Karakuri Castle. One Piece movie eight. Sounds very uh sounds very like a cyborgy mecha. Like maybe Frankie? I, I know nothing about this movie. Nothing. I hope Frankie's in it. I feel like I feel like the last three movies have been like in the same time period now. It's like just before Skypia, just after Skypia, these last three movies. So it's like, hey, can we get uh, some Frankie in there? Oh, I want to get another. Yeah, I don't know if he is or now. not, but I don't think so. That'd be a fourth. I'm movie looking at the, the poster road. right now, and he's not on it, so I don't think. Oh fuck me, dude! <laughs> so that means the four movies that have all been like in the same time period, almost. Yeah, they've been doing quite a bit before Water Seven. Goddamn! <laughs> all right, uh, I think. But yeah, I... that'll be next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you then. Bye bye. <laughs>